The only thing we look forward to is this weekend freedom, and we count down the days, and we end up being unhappy with 70% of our life. Why do we do this? Like, how do we, why do we feel this way so often? And maybe, for many of us here, that's the thing that we've been raised on. You know, find a job, find a husband or wife, and, and Zach kind of talked about that a little bit last week, and, and it, we find a, a house and have kids and, and work the rest of your life, saving up for retirement that your best years you give away so that you can make enough money to relax, but then in your last few days on this earth, you don't really have enough energy to do anything that you wanted anyways, and then you die. And so, like, it's crazy, right? Like, I don't, like, it's this crazy cycle that we all somehow buy into. No wonder many of us are, like, ending up, like, kind of depressed with our lives. Because if that's life, man, I'm not excited about it. I'm not into that. We all work to build things that won't last, and maybe, you know, we'll build up a legacy or something, but we won't be around to see it, so what's the point, right? And maybe some of you who are raised in the church, you kind of have been taught about work ethic. You've heard it over and over again. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for the Lord and not human masters. And because we desire to love God, we try to mentally substitute the boss that we hate with this image of God, right? And we try and do this mundane tasks for him instead of simply some guy, but it doesn't really change the way we feel about work, right? It still feels pointless. It still feels like it's without purpose. And maybe for some of you, um, you're, already, you're already here. Work is just a means to an end, to buy the things that you're actually going to use to truly make you happy, right? And as human beings, we want to create something that lasts, something that has purpose. And it doesn't matter if this is, you know, this is not just a church thing. This is not just a Christian thing. You could be atheist. You could be Muslim, Hindu. You know, you could just be trying to figure it out. And this is something that we all feel, not just something that we're taught at a church or that we talk about at church. It's something that we feel deep down from inside that we want to do something with our lives that matter, right? And I have a hard time believing that anyone here truly wants to do nothing. I mean, we live for the weekend, but we might hate our work and we might want to just spend all our time doing like nothing. But if we really thought about it, I don't think that if we were given the freedom, we'd just sit around. We want to do things, right? We want to build things, create, make, do, use our talents, our abilities with our words, with our voices, give to the world what we got. And that's kind of the dream, right? We want to give what we have to give to the world. And this... From what I see here, when I read in scripture, this is actually what God's plan is for us. That's actually what's God's dream for us. And while we sit here in this culture living for the weekend, Jesus actually comes into our life, into our work, where we're hating 70% of our lives. And he says, hey, you know what? I want something so much more for you. I want something so much different. You're living for the weekend. I want you to live for something greater. And while I know that, you know, we feel the weight of culture telling us, hey, your only joy is in freedom from work. You can only be happy once you've saved up enough money to stop doing work so you can quit the job, live for the weekend, live for the holidays. The Bible makes an amazing statement that pushes up against this, and it's found in one of the most profound places right in Genesis 1. This is the first chapter of the Bible. In the whole Bible, we see God creates the universe and everything in it, including us, human beings. And in our creation, we see the answer to this massive question that a lot of us have. Why am I here? 
And while I know that there's some of us who have been raised to think this way, uh, there's probably some of you out there who, you know, you're like, no, I don't, I don't believe in Genesis. I don't believe in the Bible. That's not really, I, I believe in science. You know, I believe the universe was created by the collision of, of cosmic particles. Um, and I believe that humanity is actually a result of billions and billions of years of evolution. Or maybe some of you, yeah, so you don't maybe believe in God at all, or maybe you don't believe in the God that's written about in this book. You maybe believe in multiple gods. And, and to you guys, I just want to say, hey, welcome here. Like, thank you so much for taking the time to spend uh, your evening with us to, to learn a little bit about what we think. Um, I just am so pumped that you're here. And, and I just want to say, I get you. Um, I love science. I am a man of science. I, I uh, spent five years of my life studying science in university. Um, and I, I kind of get what you're saying. I get what you're feeling. Um, but as I have studied science and as I have studied scripture, I have actually found that these two things don't actually like, like collide with each other and they don't actually refute each other in the way that a lot of us have been told that they do. Um, and I'm not here to you know, argue like the method in which God created. You know, there's actually a lot of Christians who have a lot of different scientific theories on how God used different scientific processes to create. So it's not something that actually eliminates the truth of the Bible at all. And so, but I, what I do know is that this book, it's, it's not an answer to how God created a wor- uh, the world, but Why? And so if you just bear with me for a second and, and jump right into the Bible with me, um, just, just look at what God says here, um, right in Genesis 1, verse 26. This is where he's creating the sun, the moon, the stars. After all this stuff, he creates creatures. Um, this is what God says. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, grab it out, get into Genesis 1, um, follow along with me. If not, uh, you can even grab out your phone. Don't be shy. That's all good. You can have your phones in church. It's all cool. Um, if not, it's up on the screen. And so this is what God says right here in Genesis 1, verse 26. And this is, this is what he said. Oh, sorry. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the, in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all to, to the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Right off the bat, we see this profound statement of value in the image of God. And if you're here tonight, I want you to know that above all things in this world, you, in the image of God, are inherently valuable. And then God goes on to say this, this command, that this, this purpose, what God has actually designed us to do. We hear this, be fruitful, fill the earth, subdue it, rule. And at first glance, a lot of us have heard this verse and we think, oh yeah, that just means have a bunch of kids, have a bunch of babies. But it's so much deeper than that, guys. It's so much more exciting and empowering, and, and this, is, this is what God meant, is that we, he would fill the earth with 
not just people, but things that we've created that God never meant for us to stay in the garden, that he always meant for us to create a city, to fill the earth with wondrous creations of our hands, to build, create, make, and do. From the beginning, God designed us not only with a purpose, but a value. Made in the image of the creator himself, we are, find our fulfillment when we do likewise. Unfortunately, this doesn't last. The story in Genesis goes on to see Adam and Eve, the first human beings on earth, abandon their relationship with God in an act of rebellion. And because of this, they are separated from his goodness and his designs for them and their work that he had for them. Work becomes cursed and difficult and darkness enters the world. And, and I know that we feel this. We still feel this today. There is brokenness. There is suffering. There is pain. There is darkness in this world. And throughout human history, we have been stuck in this place from that moment. But God had other plans. And this is where we get to talk about Jesus. That Jesus came down. He came to save us from our darkness, from our sin. But that's not the only thing. He didn't just come to die on the cross so that we would go to heaven when we died. He came here to renew all things on heaven and on earth. That he would start something new in us and end his creation in all things. That we would gain our identity back and our purpose back through Jesus. That's what he came to do. And that's what the ascent, we're, we're all about this. We're about the gospel. We're about Jesus making all things new. We're about him changing hearts and transforming lives and that's just so amazing. That's what God came to do here. And now, it's common for us to go around and say, hey, you know what? It's not what I do that matters. It's who I am. And, and that's, a great, that's a great sentiment. Like, it's, it's a good thing because it pushes up against, you know, that if I don't do good enough, then, then it reflects badly on me. But the thing is, and I kind of want to push this, is that what you do flows from who you are. And what we do actually defines us, our hobbies, not just our work that are eight hours a day that we get paid for, but our hobbies are all the things that we love to do. They represent who we really are, and it does become our identity. And don't get me wrong, our identity is in Christ. That is a fundamental truth. Our identity is in Christ, but it's rooted in Christ and also who he created us to be, right? Our identity is Christ, and our identity in Christ is the foundation from with everything else pours out from us. Now, a man named Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, Paul from Tarsus, uh, he's a writer of like a bunch of the letters in the Bible. He knew this truth. Um, he had this radical transformation, this radical encounter with Jesus back in the first century, um, and it changed his life. And, and so after that, he started making Jesus the foundation for everything that he did. And he was so pumped up about this. He started writing letters to all the churches across the world that had just started kind of popping up. And he wanted to explain to them this same truth. And so in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, if you want to jump there with me as well, uh, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying about having a solid foundation in verse 10. He says this, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, with this, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, straw, giving it their all, giving it their best, giving it all the good that they can put into it, then their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire 
and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. And if God has made you passionate about something, there's a reason for that, and you gotta do it, right? If there's a drive in you to use your talents, your abilities for something good that God has created you to do, don't squander it. You've been designed to use these gifts responsibly. The work that we do, it's actually gonna be tested is what Paul is saying. He's saying that at the end of the world, all of the work that we have done is gonna be tested by fire as if like metal going through, being heated and all the junk is burning up and the stuff that we've done, that we've given our all to, that we've done for the glory of God is actually gonna pass through the fire and what Paul is suggesting is that it won't burn up at the end of time. That it's actually, we're gonna see those things in the new creation in heaven. What Paul is saying is what we do here and now actually matters. We're not saving up just like waiting for the future, waiting for heaven to come. What we do here and now matters. And it's not just like that, hey, you know what? I'm gonna go on this missions trip. Um, that's, that's gonna be my thing that I do for God. Or, hey, I'm, I'm gonna be a youth leader, so that's the thing that I do for God as if everything else in my life doesn't matter. Uh, my engineering, my photography, my serving people in a hospital where I work at, that's all just regular stuff. Nowhere in the Bible does God separate spiritual work from regular work. That's just not a thing. Everything that we do is spiritual. Paul says, hey, are you doing it for God? Awesome. If you're on the cutting edge of scientific research, you're bringing glory to God using your gifts and your talents and you're, you're being responsible with those things, I bet we see that in heaven. Honestly, buildings, artwork, human service, if God meant for us to work in the garden where things were perfect, you better believe we're working in heaven. But it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be perfect. There's gonna be this new world to explore, to build in, to create in. And it'll be amazing. But I have a feeling that there are more of us in this room in the place that I was at a few years ago. We dream of success, right? We, we dream of just getting that well-paying job. Again, finding that husband or wife, being recognized as smart, talented, you name it, buy a house. Um, in my last few years of engineering, I have an engineering degree um, that I don't use anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. So all that studying, living for the weekends for nothing. No, I'm just kidding. It's still a good degree to have. But um, in my last year of engineering, uh, I was set up. I was, I was pumped up. I had this dream of success in the future, and it was, it was right there. I was about to graduate. Um, I was doing a bunch of research, and my thesis actually won an award from the university um, for, for the research that I did, and, and that research actually got me a, a really cool job at a cool tech startup company uh, in medical like research and stuff like that. Um, and I was in a, a relationship and, and that person was like really financially stable and we were all planning out our lives together. And uh, it was, you know, it was this dream that we had. That relationship ended. It was just a kind of, you know, like it just wasn't, we weren't bringing glory to God in any way. Um, and that ended. And, and so, I went on and I still pursued that dream. I, I got that job and, and for two and a half years I worked in that job. And you figure I would have loved it, but it crushed me. I'd put all my hopes and dreams in this view of success and financial stability, buying a house, 
and I didn't end up doing what God had designed me to do. And I didn't realize it at the time. And I kept working in that job, and it kept crushing me. The people that worked above me were actually, you know, they, they really loved to make me feel like I was dumb, like I was useless. And I ended up, like, becoming a little depressed, actually. And, and that all kind of poured out from my life. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was hurting people. I wasn't a pleasant person to be around. But I had this prestigious title, so I felt good about it. And I knew I needed to do something different, but I just couldn't give up on that dream of success. It was so hard. I wanted that so badly. Finally, I actually just lost my job. They, uh, they fired me um, because they knew I didn't like working there anymore. Um, and so um, I just was kind of at a loss. I was on EI. I didn't know what to do with my life. And a few friends, because uh, I had started actually being involved in this community here at Riverwood. Um, and, and what happened here actually changed my life. I got to see the church for something new, the church for something greater than I had ever understood it before, a group of people who came together and pushed each other forward all under the power of Jesus, and it was amazing. And so I actually ended up going into ministry. I'm not saying that everyone here has to go into ministry to, to get fulfillment from God. That's not the point, but my point is if you know that there's something you're passionate about, why aren't you pursuing it? Don't let your dream of success get in the way of God's dream for who you were designed to be. Well, so some of you, while this might not be possible, some of you, you need the jobs that you're in, but some of you, you need to go home tonight and you need to think about this. You need to ask yourself, is this really what I want to do? Is this really what's going to fulfill me in life? Because if you have the option to do something that God has created you and designed you to do, something you're passionate about and you don't do it, man, I think you're going to regret it. What if that's not you? Right now, we, we live in a fallen world, and our ability to pursue our purpose and passions perfectly has been taken away from us. Work has become hard. It, it kicks against us. And some of you are sitting here, and you feel that. You're just getting by, and you, you're even just happy you have a job. But man, how many of us just sit at home every night and just watch Netflix? Honestly, like, we, we waiting for something better to happen with our lives. Like, nothing's going to happen better unless you make it. Right? Like, stop just living a life of, like, not fulfilling your purpose or not pursuing your purpose and go find something. Maybe explore something new. Like, le- like take a class or, or learn something different and pursue that. Find something that you're passionate about. It doesn't have to be your work, even. It doesn't, it doesn't have to. Work is so much more than your nine to five. It's everything that we do in this world. Finally, I, I, I look back to where we started in Genesis chapter 2. I see that God creates Adam in the garden, and he says this in verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And again, when we read this, we're like, oh, that means get married. I think it goes deeper than that again. It's not necessarily about a romantic relationship. God is emphasizing, this is right after God said, hey, I put Adam in the garden to work. Hey, he needs a helper, right? It's not just about the romantic relationship. It's about building community that God did not create us to work alone. God actually designed us for community. And we all know this, like the best parts of our job a lot of the times are the people that we work with, right? 
And so if you're working this job and you find nothing fulfilling in it, why don't you be that person who builds community, makes friendships happen in your office, the place that you work, bring people together, because that's what Jesus does, and we want to be a resemblance of him, right? He brings people together. And so find relationships, create community, belonging. And while it doesn't always work perfectly, it's a great place to start. And this goes, again, far past our career, if, if it's not working in your job, find a community outside. Find new supportive friends, belonging, people. Man, find a church. That's what we're about here. We're about pushing people forward. We're about encouraging each other. That's what brought me out of the place that I was in, that dark place where I was just depressed and angry all the time. I found a community here at Riverwood, and it was one of the best decisions of my life. It was awesome. It, it empowered me, and people all like, wanted to just invite me to their birthday parties, even though I didn't even know them. It was It was awesome. <laughs> It was so good. And if this is you sitting here tonight and you have none of this, this is a great place to start. See, Jesus wants you to have a life of fulfillment that only truly begins with him. The God who created us, designed us. And though we fell, though we separated ourselves from him in an act of rebellion and disobedience, that work has become hard and difficult and a lot of effort and our struggle in our work actually brings us to a place where we acknowledge that we need something more than this. Right? We need something more than this in, in our lives and though the world will try and convince us that there is so many ways to find happiness the weekend, summer, you know, sex, going to parties, finding a career that is successful by the world's standards, our true fulfillment is found in our value and our purpose and our unity in Jesus. There's nothing more in the world that can give you that. There's nothing more that will get you out of the darkness that surrounds each and every one of us, give you the rest in the week that is under constant pressure and exhaustion that will give you a breath of fresh air and peace when you feel you are all but drowning. This is his plan for you. He wants nothing more to find you and grab a hold of you and bring you into this family. And this, if this is you, don't just sit here and do nothing about it. Do something. Talk to somebody. Don't leave here tonight without saying something, that this is something that you want. And, and in a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to pray with me, and I'm going to ask everyone to just close their eyes and put their heads down. And, and if this is you, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you because this could mark one of the most significant days in your lives. A relationship with Jesus changes everything. Yes, our work our relationships, the way we treat other people. He starts to affect our very hearts and transform them from broken into good. He renews everything. And everyone around you starts to notice this change. So let's just pray together. I want everyone to just put their hands or their heads down and, and, and their eyes closed. And I just want to pray with you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you empower us to do and build and create to use our talents and abilities for your glory, for your kingdom, God. And there's some people here who, who just heard this message for the first time. Maybe they're hearing about Jesus for the first time, or maybe they're hearing about you, um, and, and, but it just struck something in them. And if this is you, if you desire to put your faith, hope, trust in Jesus and enter into a relationship with you, it starts here, admitting that you know you need help, that you struggle in darkness, that deep inside, something is off. It starts with a decision to turn away from finding your joy and fulfillment in the things of this world and turning towards Jesus. Man, he loves you and he wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to change your life. He died for you so that you would have new life, not just in heaven, but here and now.
And if you believe that, if you want that, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you want to renew this relationship with Jesus, just raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you because this is an amazing thing. Scripture says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. And so Jesus, for those who raised their hand here tonight, God, I just want you to be so present. I want you to pour out your spirit, God. We just ask these things in your name. Oh God, we just thank you for everything that you've done. I just pray that you would reveal yourself to them more and more. And if this is you, please come talk to somebody. Talk to somebody about who Jesus is. We're so excited that you could be a part of his family here tonight. And God, I just pray that you would just bless each person here. I pray that you would just turn hearts, turn them towards you and transform their lives into a place where they find their, their purpose, their fulfillment, their value only, only in you, Jesus. We love you so much for the things that you do for our lives. Mm. Guys, I just... I just want you to know this, that, that God loves you so much. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. In your great name, we pray. Amen.